streams live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, he is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. I'm Father Brian Christensen. I'm Karen Gibis. And this is Real Presence Live, coming to you from the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. In Rapid City, South Dakota, it is a sunny day. Temperatures are going to climb into the 90s, and we got a hot show for you today. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, and I have to say, we began the morning in a great way, right? Bagels. Bagels from Black Hills Bagels here in Rapid City. Great supporters of a mission here at the Real Presence Radio. So we're very grateful. A shout out to Black Hills Bagels for their... Great morning treat. Yes, it was great. You had a everything with butter. Everything toasted with butter. Toasted yeah. was a really a nice, nice touch. Yeah, that wasn't clarified in the text message this morning, so I, I, I took a chance. About it. I, was I, I about took it. a chance with and that. And you went one. with the veggie on veggie. Yeah, veggie on veggie. Got to be, so. you know, responsible. Put a little bit of health in there. Yeah, right. It's a bagel. Come on. <laughs> It's comfort food. For it's sure. comfort food, exactly. So, yeah, no, we do have a great show coming to you uh, today here on Real Presence Live uh, from the sunny Black Hills of Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, we should pray. We should. Let's do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, you look upon us at this very moment with great love and affection. On this uh, Friday, uh, we turn uh, to the most sacred heart of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that pours out mercy and love newness of life uh, for the whole world. We thank you for the gift of faith and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Today, may we be conformed more and more to the mind and heart of your Son. We ask the intercession of our guardian angels, our patron saints, and of our Lady, Mary, that we may live always and close to you as your beloved sons and daughters. We give you glory, praise, and thanksgiving this day and always. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, we have a great show, as we said. It's going to start heating up here right away with uh, the new director for the South Dakota Catholic Conference, uh, Michael Pauly. Um, welcome to the show, Michael. It's great to be here, Father. Thank you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you coming from? Well, to be uh, here in South Dakota at the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Well, it's it's a long story. I'll try to give the short version. So uh, I'm a cradle Catholic. I grew up in a small town uh, in Alaska, actually, a state which has some similarities to South Dakota, um, maybe even a worse climate in some respects. Big big spaces, little people. That's right. (laughs) You have more oil than when we have cattle. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, had most of my uh, childhood there and... uh, Uh, Then went to college at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., and then uh, after Georgetown, uh, worked in a number of different jobs uh, in federal government and in state government, and, uh, you know, I I won't recite the whole resume because that gets kind of dry, but uh, just uh, maybe focus on one experience that was really formative after uh, college at Georgetown. It was that I had a stint working for uh, Congressman Chris Smith on Capitol Hill. I 
was a legislative aide and communications director for him. And as some of your listeners may be aware, uh, Congressman Smith is uh, the longtime chair of the Pro-Life Caucus in the U.S. House of Representatives. So for several years, I was sort of in the thick of all the battles related to dignity of life issues that were raging on Capitol Hill. And um, and it was just a real privilege to work for him. He really is a modern-day uh, Catholic statesman, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just I, I just learned so much from that experience working for him. Yeah, no, that's a, what an awesome uh, experience. And to be in the Washington, D.C. area and be part of that kind of movement uh, right at the, the halls of power to bring in our Catholic faith and our commitment to life. Um, so... Uh, D.C., you love D.C., I'm guessing, right? Four years plus uh, professional yeah, life there. I was in 11 years in D.C., including, uh, including the time at Georgetown. And it was a great place to be in my 20s, you know, but... Um, but it it eats you alive that that culture you know you're just the working long days and uh, you don't have much of a social life and so uh, you know in subsequent decades I've actually uh, I guess you could say I don't, in a way I've been a little bit of an itinerant I've lived in several different states and uh, worked for a number of different family policy councils and uh, these are groups that are um, usually ecumenical, you know, both evangelical Christians and Catholics collaborating together uh, to work on issues related to respect for human life, um, defending religious liberty, protection of the family. Um, and so I've worked for uh, several of those groups uh, in uh, Alaska, uh, Washington State, uh, Montana. Um, so I've, I've been around the block uh, on these issues for quite a few decades. And so, and, and a lot of those same issues that I've been working on will be front and center on the agenda for the South Dakota Catholic Conference, and so it's real exciting. Uh, How did you uh, come to know about the opening here in uh, South Dakota? Well, the, the short story is I got an email uh, with the formal announcement uh, that uh, my predecessor, Chris Motes, uh, was departing. Um, and the the longer story is is that I developed a bit of a friendship with Chris Motes over the years. Uh, he uh, came out to Rapid City for a talk on religious liberty, and I attended that talk and then you know, uh, introduced myself to him afterwards, and, uh, and then it just developed into a, a friendship, and there were even a couple of occasions where I was working on bills for some of my clients that were closely sim- related to bills that Chris had worked on on behalf of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And so, you know, I'd email him or call him up and say, you know, what do you think about this bill? And, you know, what would be your thoughts on how to advance this bill or how to defeat this bill? And, you know, he was just always incredibly generous with his time. Uh, he's a very bright, um, just uh, erudite Catholic in the world of public policy. And those aren't necessarily common. I'll just tell you that. that uh, so it's, it's just a bit of privilege to get to know him. More than one person has told me that I have big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> well, it seems like he's passing off the baton to the right guy to well, run the next leg. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I told him, I said, I can succeed you, but I can't replace you. So <laughs> We're talking here this morning with the new executive director for the South Dakota Catholic Conference, Michael Pauly. Uh, how long you've been in the job now? Uh, I started on Monday. So, started on Monday, yeah, so day so, five. Yeah, right. so don't, don't ask too many tough questions, or I may, I may flounder here. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Uh, how about just kind of reflecting a little bit about your background that you bring to this position? You talked about uh, family policy councils across the United States and different engagements. What are some of the things that you've tackled or, or, or maybe – one of your achievements that you feel like I was part of this sure. made a difference. Sure. Well, uh, 
I guess one one thing that I would point to uh, is in 1998, I was involved in an effort uh, in the state of Alaska to win passage of a constitutional amendment that um, defined marriage as a union of one man and one woman. And uh, we were actually the very first state um, to get that uh, accomplished. And uh, subsequently, several other, dozen other states uh, did the same thing. Um, and unfortunately, that was overturned by the uh, Obergefell decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, so it's a little bit of a, a, a bittersweet thing, you know, at this point. But yet, I, I'm still, um, you know, very glad that I was involved in that effort. Um, you know, some other things uh, in 2012, I was involved in a statewide campaign in Montana to win passage of a ballot measure um, that went before the voters to um, make it so that a, a, parent, a parent would have to be notified before a minor could have an abortion. So that was an important pro-life measure that I was involved in. And, uh, and so those are some of the experiences I've had. And, you know, as I said, I just am excited uh, to be able to you know, bring some of this w- real world experience to help serve the Catholic bishops in South Dakota. Now for our listeners, uh, the South Dakota Catholic Conference sounds like a big thing and a big organization and lots of people involved in it. Um, um, can you just share a little bit about what it is and what its what its mission is? Yeah, well, there's there's a great statement on the website that uh, describes the Catholic Conference as the church's institutional ambassador to the public square, and that and that really does just sum it up. Is that um, you know we're the voice of the Catholic Church um, on issues, particularly statewide issues uh, that are before the legislature, or sometimes maybe regulatory issues that are before the executive branch. Um, and so it, that, that is the mission, is to be that, that voice in the public square. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, some of the day-to-day activities um, that, that you might be engaged in, for maybe speaking in conferences and lobbying, could you kind of share a little bit what, what you foresee as be part of that that mission. Sure. Well, certainly um, the busiest time occurs during legislative sessions. So mm-hmm. when the legislature is in session in peer, uh, I will basically be there full time. As long as they're in session, uh, I'm there. Uh, it's, you know, compared to a lot of states, South Dakota's legislative session is actually pretty short, which means that the pace is pretty fast. They're cramming a lot into a short time frame. Uh, and so, uh, before the session meets, some of the issues that we're going to be looking at, of course, are, um, you know, we may have a decision from the Supreme Court um, in, well, not we may, we will have a decision from the Supreme Court, uh, and hopefully it will be a good one uh, in the case of Dobbs uh, versus uh, Jackson's Women's Health Organization. Uh, and obviously the hope is, is that the court will use that opportunity to overturn the Roe v. Wade decision. If that happens, and we pray that it does, uh, there will almost certainly be be a special session of the legislature, probably um, in the fall, uh, to take a look at South Dakota's laws and make sure that we have the most protective laws um, possible. You know, know, uh, staying with that topic on the potential uh, Dobbs ruling or the probable Dobbs ruling in the next week or so, I would guess usually in June here, um, you know, it seemed to me over the years, South Dakota has instituted many, many protections for the unborn and you know, promotion of life for both mom and for child. Um, and they've talked about trigger laws and stuff like that. Are, there, are you familiar already with some of those things that are in place for South Dakota or what might happen immediately? Or Yes, yes, somewhat. Um, the... the uh, 
You're right. South Dakota does have actually a really good track record at passing many uh, protective laws, you know, to protect life. Um, but many of those laws were written, you know, in a, in a different context, you know, in a context where you're trying to pass the best laws that you can uh, do within the parameters of what um, was allowed under Roe versus Wade. And so there definitely is a need uh, to go back and look at um, those laws again, and particularly look at the issue of what we anticipate is going to happen is that um, out-of-state abortion providers will try to find ways to, um, you know, circumvent South Dakota's laws, and um, and we want to make sure to take a hard look at that, you know, to to make sure that we're applying the most rigorous protections possible um, to to counteract that. Yeah, you, you, could you just share like what would be a strategy of an out-of-state provider trying to? to circumvent our laws here. When we're protecting life, how would somebody from another state or another organization try to kind of circumvent that? Yeah. Well, um, you know, so for example, we have a law that requires, uh, you know, women seeking abortion to get counseling. And so, um, you know, we want to look into whether or not we can um, say that, you know, hey, you may be an out-of-state um, uh, abortion provider, but if you're communicating with um, a uh, a woman in South Dakota, we still have jurisdiction over that communication, you know, when she's uh, living, you know, within the boundaries of South Dakota. So, you know, you have to meet the requirements of, of that counseling provision. So that would just be an example of, again, I'm not predicting that that's what's going to happen uh, in the special session. Just some session. of the possibilities those, that may unfold. Yeah, those are sort of the things that we have to look at as a state in this, uh, hopefully, what will be a post-row future coming yeah, up very no. soon. Uh, we're here with uh, the executive director, day five for Michael Pauly <laughs> of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, uh, discussing his new role and some of the uh, challenges that the, the people of South Dakota, people of goodwill, and certainly men and women... Uh, Christians and Catholics uh, here in our great state uh, will be facing in the months and, I guess, years ahead. So we'll be back after the break with Michael Pauling. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, 
please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. have to be prepared to, you know, respond to, um, you know, public policy that may uh, not be so good. Uh, and so, and I, I guess I would just maybe point to um, an issue in both categories. So on, an, on the negative side of something where we need to kind of react to it, I would point to the ballot measure uh, coming up on recreational marijuana. And, uh, you know, I guess you could say this is round two uh, on this issue uh, for South Dakota. It'll once again uh, be on the ballot. And, uh, and that's an issue where, you know, I'm going to be focusing between now and the November election to just uh, play an educational role to try to get the church's perspective out uh, on this issue, why we think that this is a a bad direction uh, to be going in for society. There's a widespread attitude of you know, well, marijuana, what's, what's the big deal? How does it affect me? You know, how does it, you know, how does it hurt me? And, you know, one of our principles of Catholic social teaching, of course, is to advance the common good. And so, you know, you, you have to care, uh, if there's going to be, um, a, a significant increase in the number of people, uh, using a drug that can, uh, harm their own health, um, you know, potentially, you know, raise all of our uh, health insurance rates, uh, you know, potentially make it more difficult for them to hold down uh, uh, gainful employment because uh, they can't pass a drug test. You know, these are all issues that we have to care about with the common good. And, and wh- whatever else uh, Catholic social teaching tells us it, it is that we can't uh, sort of have this, um, uh, you know, kind of attitude of, um, well, it doesn't affect me, so therefore I have permission to not care. We're we're interconnected in this society, and so you know, if you have uh, an enormous number of people in society that are. Uh, using drugs that are harmful to them, uh, harmful to their employers, harmful to their families' um, uh, livelihood—that's going to have an effect on you. So even from even out of out of a motive of self-interest, uh, not to mention you know Christian charity towards our neighbor, we have to care about these issues. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I remember saying Pope John Paul II said, you know, uh, the question, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And he said. Yes, out of love, we do look after our brothers and sisters. And uh, he said, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't be quoting uh, the murderer Cain. Or he said, hey, am I my brother's keeper? I shouldn't be. I just got to wash my hands of this. But indeed, as from the Catholic perspective of a communal life, 
of the common good of building up, we certainly are looking out for one another and not in a negative way, but in a positive really look out for their best interests and our best interests collectively yeah. uh, as a communal yeah. community. And I mentioned uh, uh, on the other side of the ledger, uh, as an example of public policy that um, we actually want to be proactive on, is that uh, we want to look into um, exploring policy options that help parents, that empower parents, I should say, to have more choices uh, for the education of their children. Um, and you know, I don't have any specific details to share yet, but that's just in a in a broad sense. That's something that the Catholic Conference, um, you know, has focused on over the years. Is we want to give, we want to restore a recognition that parents have the primary responsibility to educate their children, and that the the schools are there to assist them in fulfilling that mission, but public schools are not the only way that that mission can be fulfilled. We want to empower parents to be able to choose a private school, choose a religious school, choose homeschooling options. Um, those are all things, and we just feel like um, you know, education is a very individualized thing. Every child is different, their needs are different, and nobody uh, knows better than the parents um, what's going to you know, make for the most successful outcome for that child. So definitely um, advancing some some pro-school choice legislation would be a high priority for the conference. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a New Yorker by birth, and, uh, you know, the, the state there, at least in my time growing up, was sporting, you know, the kind of the basic needs of students, I guess, and helping families with, like, the textbook costs, the travel costs, the, um, you know, busing to and from school, some of those issues that were there that would, was in vouchers at that time. Yeah. Uh, but it yeah. certainly made it possible uh, a little bit more easy. So looking for those ways here in South Dakota that we might allow parents to have the, the, that, those choices for their children yep. um, in our state. Yeah, I know. There's a Supreme Court decision supposed to come down too with regard to kind of religious education and support. Are you familiar with that at all? You, you know, I'm I'm not aware of what may be in the pipeline yeah. now. I confess, but 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 definitely okay. there have been some other rulings from the Supreme Court uh, in recent years that are. Um, uh, encouraging, I guess I would say, and I, I am forgetting the name of the case right off the top of my head, but there was this case recently, and it, 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 the details of it are kind of obscure. It had to do with a, uh, a government program to install uh, safety materials on, on school playgrounds, you know, so that if a kid falls off, uh, you know, a swing or whatever, they land on a soft uh, surface. And so they wanted to make playgrounds safer. And so they had this grant program. Uh, and uh, and the, the program specifically excluded any... Uh, you know, religious entities uh, from applying for this. And so uh, there was this case that, again, I wish I could remember uh, the name of it off the top of my head, but it went up to the, went up to the Supreme Court, and, uh, and the court said, if the public interest that the state is trying to advance is protecting child safety, then there's absolutely no constitutional basis for excluding a playground that just happens to be associated with an institution that is religious. You know, that's expressly forbidden by the Constitution. And so, so increasingly we're seeing the court looking at these issues and saying, you know, what is the state's interest? So you apply that to educational choice. What's the state's interest in education? Is it maintaining a government monopoly over schools so that 
government-run schools are the only choice, or is it having an educated populace, you know, that can sustain a healthy economy, you know? Uh, if that's the state's interest, then there's many different ways to skin that cat, you know? And uh, so, so I think that we're, the, the jurisprudence of the court is definitely heading in a positive direction on those yeah, issues. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's great to hear. Um, you know, just the overall uh, situation in our culture, right? I wish to kind of say the breakdown of culture. Um, um, you know, I know it's hard for many of our listeners to believe, but, you know, uh, the sociologists tell us that the United States, you know, is the wealthiest nation, you know, that we have more money than any other, you know, populace in the history of the world. We have more wealth as a collective, right? And we also have more leisure time. I know, again, this is hard for our listeners sometimes to wrap their mind around. We have more wealth collectively and more leisure time collectively than any other society in the history of the world. And yet, we seem to not have enough money or enough time. We're busy. And we see kind of that affecting marriages, family life, um, friendships, that we're becoming more and more isolated and stuff. And I just wonder, you know, I know this is the church's ongoing, you know, yes. ministry and message. And how does that translate perhaps into, you know, this mission, the public voice in the, uh, of the church in the public square? Yeah. Well, you, you often hear this saying that uh, politics is downstream from culture. And, and there is a lot of uh, truth to that, um, that, you know, the, the, our ability to... Um, advanced good public policy is to some extent um, limited by the parameters of what the culture you know can can tolerate and certainly as you pointed out father there have been a lot of um, you know negative cultural trends but I'll tell you that um, you know in terms of my own work and when I wake up in the morning um, I my focus is just to bear witness to the truth, whether you're experiencing political headwinds or tailwinds, you know, and, uh, and, and there's an ebb and flow, you know, to politics. I've seen that through the course of my life. And, uh, I think we, I think we just need to focus on being, um, a, a positive witness in whatever age that we're living in. And politics is certainly not the only, uh, mission field. It may not even be the most important one, but it is a crucial one. And, uh, I always, um, say that, uh, my inspiration for being involved in politics comes right out of the Lord's prayer that we pray in mass every day. And we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I like to joke with people that here's what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, thy will be done on earth, but not in politics. Uh, thy will be done on earth, but not in Hollywood. Um, thy will be done on earth, but not in um, the corporate boardrooms of Fortune 500 companies. You know, uh, there, there, there's no exceptions, you know, in this business of kingdom building. And, and so I, I, I definitely think that the church's voice needs to be heard in the public square. It needs to be heard in politics. Often I hear, you know, people just to that point where bringing my faith into the public square is, uh, um, is hard for them to do. Um, but you're, you're encouraging us to, wherever we are, to bring the good news of the gospel. Huh? Yep, ab- absolutely. We have been talking with the new executive director for the South Dakota Catholic Conference, Michael Pauly, and uh, we're excited to have you and uh, grabbing that baton, as I said earlier, from Chris Motes and, uh, and running with it um, to share the Catholic voice in the public square. So thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to having you back on the show. It's a real privilege. Thank you so much. All right, God bless you. Hey, thanks for listening to Real Presence uh, Live. We're going to be back after the break with some host banter 
Oh, boy. We're going to see what's going on in Karen's head and heart today. We'll be back here from Rapid City, Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 